G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, let's turn our attention to some more of the stories that have shaped Australia. Powerful stories of Christian faith. And one of our special uh, favourite guests on this program now is called the Outback Historian. Paul Rowe has just returned from undertaking a significant road trip and he's been searching for and unearthing great stories of faith. And at times like this, when we're all contemplating the voice referendum, you might be interested to know that Australia actually has history of having its own civil rights movement. Dr. Paul Rowe, a historian from Outback, New South Wales, back with us today. His doctorate is in history that focuses on telling our Australian Christian story. Dr. Paul Rowe, a special welcome back to 2020. Well, it's dangerous walking in your front door, Neil. I wasn't expecting to be here in the studio. Nice to see you. Wonderful to talk. Always love our conversations. Uh, You're good for a great yarn. You are a storyteller. Absolutely. We can be here all day. It's a gift you have. And you've been on a road trip. You've been uncovering these stories. It'll be news to so many who might not think that somehow or other we have our own civil rights movement that began in Australia 150 years ago, but this is the sort of stories you've been uncovering. Absolutely, Neil, and uh, I love this particular story. I was uh, travelling from uh, Bendigo up this way and uh, through Echuca on the Murray, and, uh, of course, it's a very famous little riverboat town. Uh, But tucked away there on the edge of it is a great story. Uh, There was a young couple, uh, Daniel and Janet Matthews, back in the 1880s around there, um, they'd been on the edge of the um, the Wilberforce movement in England. In fact, his father had been a slave trader like John Newton who got converted, became a Methodist preacher. And Daniel started a business with his brother in Echuca. But it, what really tore his heart was seeing what was happening to the Aboriginal people. The prevailing opinion uh, right across society pretty much was that the Aboriginal people were uneducatable and irredeemable. <laughs> so they'd written them off pretty much. He saw another picture, and uh, he he started to write letters uh, to the papers across Australia and to the, the parliaments, and he began to act. He was an activist, um, and he saw the terrible things that were happening to the Aboriginal people. He created a, a safe space. In fact, John Harris, the, the historian, says it was the, <clears throat> the only safe space in New South Wales at the time. And they would come from all over the state to be there because it was safe. It was called Maloga on a big bend of the Murray River. And uh, he would even go into the men's camps where they chained Aboriginal girls to their beds and fight the men to free the girls and bring them up there. So he was a hero, like he was a a man of great character and integrity. Down in Melbourne, he took a team of these Indigenous people. There'd been a little revival amongst them. And so he took them down to Melbourne and he had a little mission happening on Brighton Beach, which was sort of the trendy beach where people used to promenade. And I think he was making a point. He's saying, you've written these people off, but here they are preaching the gospel. And a young Indian man who'd come to university in Melbourne but uh, found 
he couldn't finish the, the medical course because of a tremble in his hand. He was very disappointed and walking the beach and he heard the singing, went across. He had a Christian background. And Daniel Matthews asked this young man who rejoiced in the, the name of Thomas Shadrach James. You should remember that name because he's some of, somebody said he's probably one of the greatest teachers Australia's ever had. To come up and teach in his little um, mission school up on the Murray, very obscure little place, uh, not probably like Bethlehem, you know, that nobody would take any notice of. So he went up there and for 40 years, Thomas Shadrach James was teaching not only the Aboriginal children there on that mission, but also um, adults. He started an adult school at night. And so people like William Cooper, uh, John Payton, Bill Onus and his brother, um, Doug Nichols and his wife Gladys, uh, they were the young adults who Thomas Shadrach James taught. His, his daughter said, my father taught us to lead and write. And he said, you can stand up for yourselves. You can write letters. You can write petitions. You can speak to government leaders and put your case and say, we have a right in this country to to be recognised. And that's where it grew. So we're talking about those years, 1880 through around 1920. Mm. And you've got Aboriginal Australians uh, fearing for their lives. Absolutely. Finding a safe place Mm. uh, in the care of Thomas Shadrach James. And they had been displaced, uh, Mm -hmm. even dehumanised, even that story you're telling there. But here's Thomas Shadrach James, a man of God. Mm-hmm. who says, you have a voice. Mm. This is how you use it. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, I went I went to Kamaragunga, as it was called. They moved a little bit further up the, the river, the mission a bit further up the river. The, Thomas, uh, sorry, Daniel Matthews had established a mission which was teaching them skills that he felt they could use in farming and so on. And they built little houses and they were wearing Western clothes. And he was very—he was a Methodist, so he was very strongly against alcohol because he saw what it was doing to them. But he probably became a little bit, you know, paternalistic, and they—they they, some of the younger ones resented his sort of heavy hand or his strong hand. But he had a great heart for them. Many of them loved him, and they—they they, they kept in contact with him and his. And, and Janet did a great job amongst the women. And right to the end of their lives, they were passionate about helping the Aboriginal people. So. Uh, that young couple, well, they grew to be an older couple, but uh, and that mission became that uh, incubator for for leadership. And so, when eventually uh, in 1938, when they first of all uh, had the first day of mourning on Australia Day 1938, where William Cooper's it was William Cooper's idea mainly, and then William Ferguson from Dubbo, where I come from, joined together, and they said we need to take a stand and say, no, we're being ignored, we're not being recognised here in this celebration of Australia's uh, sesquicentenary of the, the the landing of the, the white settlers. Um, but we have a voice, you know. And so they went to Parliament eventually and Prime Minister Lyons accepted a petition from them. And that petition, Neil, was written in very eloquently and very clearly and with a great dignity. William Cooper presents this petition that says, the Bible says we're all God's children. Why aren't we being treated as such? That is such a powerful comment. And when you talk about an incubator for leadership and you've got the likes of Bill Ferguson Mm. and William Cooper, Mm. 
who for many uh, will say, well, who are those names? Mm. Uh, But these were the Aboriginal leaders Mm. who, under the tutelage of Thomas Shadrach James, uh, learned how to have a voice in Australia. So Mm. we're talking about, you know, as we discussed the thought of even having a referendum to give Aboriginal people a voice to the parliament, Mm. uh, you have this early expression of Mm. that voice that has grown out of Christian mission a Christian understanding of who we are, created in the image and likeness of God, equal was, yeah, together. Exactly. That was That's part of the key here, isn't it? Uh, this is Absolutely. such a powerful concept that we glean from our own biblical Christian faith. Yeah, and it was probably bigger than even sometimes the way the church treated the Aboriginal people, and the church got it wrong sometimes. And But they, they'd been through all the stuff that we hear about, about you know the stolen generation, and they, they'd been given a hard time. Bill Ferguson, I should say, was trained more by uh, a bit further north by John Gribble in the little school he had at Warren Gaster, but they were sort of partners with with, uh, what was happening in Nechuka. But they were the safe places, and those men grew to be men of integrity. Uh, They were vocal. They were able to speak, uh, speak with dignity and force. And so, yeah, they carried the, the front end of it. And I've said to people, you know, there are about six Aboriginal people leaders I know of that are uh, memorialised. William Cooper has a statue in Shepparton and in in Israel in the in the Holocaust Museum. He's recognised there. Um, William Ferguson has his statue in Dubbo. Um, jo- uh, Doug and Gladys Nichols have their statue outside Parliament House in Melbourne. Uh, David Yanaipon, who was a bit separate, he came from the other end of the Murray, but he's on the back of the fifty dollar note. And more recently, right beside the Sea of Galilee, there's a memorial there for the Aboriginal light horseman of the First World War. And kneeling beside his horse, burying a mate with a New Testament in his left hand, is Jack Pollard, who was also a Christian. So six memorialised Aboriginal leaders, uh, or men and and women of character and calibre who stood up, they're all Christians. Now, I'm not forcing religion on anybody. I'm just telling you, the fact, you know, that's our story. That's their story. That's what they would say. For for example, Doug Nichols, he was eventually knighted and became the the first Aboriginal governor of South Australia. Um, he was <laughs> Sir Douglas Nichols, but he said, "No, I'm Pastor Sir Douglas Nichols." He always insisted on being pastor first before he was given his title. So that's the calibre of people we're talking about, and they had done it hard. That they, that Doug Nichols had been shunned in the football world. He was a very good footballer, but you know nobody would sit with him and all those sort of things. So they'd all experienced the other stuff from the white population, but they'd come through it. And what you were saying before, it was that, in, that conviction that there was a bigger story to be told, that like Jesus said, the kingdom of God is bigger than Rome. It's bigger than Babylon. It's bigger than all these kingdoms that we've built. It's bigger than Israel. Uh, the kingdom of God belongs to us all, black, white, whatever color, There's a bigger story afoot. There's a bigger story to be told. Uh, You're collecting these sorts of stories, Mm. Paul. Uh, I imagine that if there's listeners to our conversation today, you'd be open to hear from them because uh, it's from people who are listening sometimes in outlying places and feeling like that bit of family history, well, it's just my family history. It may actually be significant for the nation. So you'd like to hear from people. I'll, I'll tell people how they can get in touch with you in just a few moments. But we've got the voice referendum almost upon us. Uh, beyond the voice, no matter whether there is a yes or a no vote, the church and Christian people as a place of safety for mm. Aboriginal believers. What are your thoughts 
uh, for going forward? Because The Voice has this potential for driving a wedge between Australians. What are your thoughts for the place of Christians and a place of safety beyond what might happen at the referendum? Well, I think it went beyond just being a place of safety because um, uh, while it was those places were a sanctuary, they also became a platform. And it's it's a forgotten fact that uh, one of the things William Cooper was pushing for um, was that um, young that, that Aboriginal people should have a voice uh, to the wider population. And in the early 1940s, it was during the war. The churches were the first to offer a platform to Aboriginal people to speak. And so those civil rights leaders often spoke from church platforms and Aboriginal Sunday was uh, William Cooper's idea. It didn't last very long. It sort of morphed a little bit and it's turned into NAIDOC week. But it actually began as Aboriginal Sunday in the churches in the 1940s. It lasted on into the 50s a little bit, I think. But that, to me, says, Neil... The churches, for all their flaws and faults, and I'm sad that they didn't really follow through with it, but they were the first to give a public platform to the Aboriginal people to speak uh, about their their cause. It's very interesting, it's important, and uh, it is actually fascinating to hear these stories that perhaps we've been denied because there hasn't been a Dr. Paul Rowe uncovering those stories and bringing them to people. And this is what you're doing, Paul, and uh, special honour to you for that. Uh, Dr. Paul Rowe is an historian. He's from uh, the outback New South Wales town of Dubbo. And I know last time we spoke you said, hey, that's not the outback. (laughs) I'd be surprised. You've got to go further west to get the outback. I should say, look, I'm not the only one. There are other (laughs) men like like, uh, Professor Stuart Piggin and many others, John Harris, who've written far more than I have. They've they've uncovered so much of these stories. My role has been to tell them, to get them into the marketplace, and that's what's urgent. I think we need to articulate these stories simply and clearly, not, not to be triumphalist, but to remind Australia there's a great substructure in our country that they know nothing about. There's an invisible story that needs to be made visible. An invisible story to be made visible. There's a website in which you can contact our guest, Dr. Paul Rowe, theoutbackhistorian.com.au. That's the one. Theoutbackhistorian.com.au. You might even see on that website a copy of Tell Me Another, a storyteller's search for Australia's lost faith. You'll be able to find that book too at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. And there's lots of stories there too, Neil, that people can access. There's probably a hundred or more, all sorts of stories there that people I want people to use could be a chaplain, could be preachers, could be teachers, or just yarning to people that I hope will resource people in all sorts of quarters, yeah. Paul Rowe, we'll talk again another day. Thanks so much for joining us on 2020. Neil, thank you. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be better prepared next time I walk through the front door here. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 